March 28th, and it's draft week. Got one tonight, podcast league tomorrow, podcast for the people league on Thursday, and Scott White is back, and we have surprised him with, I guess, some pretty bad news for Scott White. Scott, not into Team Scam, co-owning a team with me, and I'm a little uh, little hurt by this. It's nothing against you, Adam. If, if there's anyone I have to co-own a team with, oh. uh, I'd, I'd probably choose you. Oh. I, I don't like co-ownership <laughs> in fantasy baseball. I like having, like the whole dream is control over your own baseball team, and if you have to share that control, then the dream is shattered. Scott, were you an only child? No, I was a middle child of uh, three. Okay, that makes sense. What? <laughs> That doesn't make any sense. He always had to share. His older sibling was taking things from him. He was always being told he had to share things with his mm-hmm. younger sibling. He's mm. resentful and does not want to share anymore. Yeah. I just like I just like feeling like I have a direct con- direct control over the outcome. You know of what? Something. Yeah, the managers and general managers have to work together. They do under the, the guidance of owners. I think they that's they the way don't it if they start leave. a fantasy baseball that? team. Though. One of us, the manager who makes the lineup decisions. One of us, the general manager who makes the roster decisions. Yes, that is no, ridiculous. <laughs> the general manager will have about eighty percent of the responsibility. How easy is it to set a lineup every week? Well, Chris has already told me that he's not coming to the draft, so I'm pretty sure I'm whatever I want. I have plans Thursday night. I'm sorry, <laughs> Team Creeth. Team Creeth is already oh, splintering. See, Scott, we're gonna be we're gonna have better chemistry than Team Creeth now. No, because we, Heath and I have, we, we're on the same page. The best thing that could happen for our chemistry is Chris not being there. Yeah, it doesn't, <laughs> like it doesn't that. really, well, it doesn't really matter for them because they, they just have the same answer to everything. Like, wow. they, they are of one mind. Wow. So, you know, they're interchangeable, basically. It doesn't wow. matter who's drafting, it doesn't matter who's making the moves. Here's what, matter. here's what you gotta do, cause I, I co-owned a team with Nando. Oh, we missed you too, Scott. <laughs> yeah, welcome back. I co-owned a team with Nando a few years ago, and it, it was the, it was one of the worst things for our friendship. Draft night was almost the end of our friendship. You have to put a few, a few players on your veto list. Where like, okay, you like him, I hate him, and no matter what, we are not drafting this guy unless it's like amazing value. And I did that with Josh Hamilton that year. Nando was loving Josh Hamilton. I was like, no, I, Josh Hamilton's done, no no chance. He drafted Josh Hamilton, and I like lost my mind. I got so mad at him, and we made it through it, luckily. But uh, we didn't have a very good team, I don't think, and I will blame the Josh Hamilton pick. Now, Sky, there is something that you can control, and it does kind of go into our email of the day. Let me tell everybody what's coming up on today's show. Uh, we're going to look at yesterday's spring training stuff. Bad start from Eduardo Rodriguez. Great start from Ivan Nova. Max Scherzer was dominant yesterday. Uh, CJ Crone stole his third base, whatever that means. We'll look at the Diamondbacks lineup. Daniel Norris, dreadful yesterday. Nine runs in three and two-thirds. Uh, interesting comments from Brad Ausmus after that start. Heath is going to tell us which players have better value and worse values on other sites if you're drafting on ESPN or Yahoo compared to CBS. Uh, Chris is going to look at rotisserie leagues and what would have won you a category uh, last year in a 12-team league, so like a target of home runs and steals and batting average. And this email from Doug, uh, also more emails, but this from Doug and Astoria. When do you expect teams to start sending injured players to the official DL? I la- I'd like to stash some dorks like Houston Street and Wilson Ramos in my DL <laughs> slots. Any other DL-bound bad boys uh, rec- you recommend? And this is what I was going to say. I proposed something in uh, a league that Scott is the commissioner of yesterday. I'd like Scott to do it. I think Scott, as commissioner, I think all commissioners should put players on the DL for owners. You can do that in CBS leagues. 
if we know for a fact that they're going to be on the DL, guys like Jason Kipnis, guys like Wilson Ramos, Scott, make it happen. I have traditionally done that in like my longest standing leagues. But the leagues we do here at CBS, I'm, I'm like commissioner of 12 leagues, Adam. I can't, I can't make a full-time job of moving players to the, your DL spots what, for you. What like, happened? That's not going to what, work. What it's already happened? taking up too much time in the leagues I do. What anyway, happened so. over the weekend, Scott? You're in a crabby mood. Like let... I'm in a crabby mood. I mean, I was in a car for four days out of five. So, <laughs> well, that would that, explain it. That didn't help. <laughs> but I was at I was at my sister's wedding, if you must know. Oh, that you should be married. in such a great mood. It was a joyful occasion. That was the good day of five. Yes. <laughs> that was a good one. I gave a, a toast, a ten minute toast. Wow. Was, I've been scared for weeks of making, so I can relax a little now that that's over and ten minutes. Wow. Turn my attention to other things like baseball season, like the fact. All right, how's this for for news? Yeah. Baby White number two is coming in September. Whoa! That's right. Hey, all right. Baby White joining the team, getting a cup of coffee right at the end of the season. That's awesome, man. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. That's great. Um, I don't have any big news, guys. No, but, (laughs) but, but not to, not to pivot. I'm sorry. That is like, I feel bad like going into baseball, but we haven't really talked that much about baseball yet. (laughs) I I do recommend people do that though. Um, allow some people to free up roster spots because you know, you could have to field an illegal roster on in week one, you know, in certain cases if you have too many guys. Or not an illegal roster, but you might have to start guys who are on the DL, and I just recommend that. Now, Heath, tell us about average draft position on other websites and what we need to know if we're drafting this week uh, on Yahoo or, or ESPN. Well, I started thinking last week that we talk generally either about CBS ADP or we talk about industry ADP and that's really helpful on a macro level not so helpful when you have an individual draft on Yahoo or ESPN so here are in my opinion the best values we'll start with Yahoo Andrew McCutcheon is going at the end of the fifth round Mark Trumbo in the eighth round I think is phenomenal value yeah Jose Bautista in the ninth round Carlos Santana 10-11 turn Dexter Fowler is in the 15th round. Yeah, he was he was a good steal on Yahoo last year, I remember, Dexter Fowler. Right, and we can kind of talk about those guys, because then I feel like the next group needs to be sorted into a different tier. Um, because they are all have an ADP over 300. In other words, you can just wait to the end of your Yahoo draft to draft these guys. And in my opinion, they're all going to help your team. That's Carlos Gomez, Jason Hayward, Lance Lynn, Dylan Bundy, and Tommy Joseph. Okay, awesome. I'm write that down. I'm actually doing a Yahoo draft tonight, so that will be very helpful for me. What's and next? then you just want to jump straight to ESPN? Uh, unless you wanted to do bad value on Yahoo, but yeah, whatever. I you don't want. have any of those. All right, then yeah. Uh, Joey Votto is going at the end of the second round. What? The reason I think that matters specifically on ESPN is a lot of times I feel like in the middle of round one, I'm left with the choice of do I take. Donaldson, Machado, Bryant, Arenado, or do I take Goldschmidt or Rizzo? Mm-hmm. And I generally choose the third baseman, and I think you should on ESPN if you can get Votto in the second round. I'd rather have that combination, one of those elite third basemen and Joey Votto, than one of the elite first basemen, and then you have to choose an outfielder or a pitcher or somebody in the second round. Mm-hmm. What, when, you, when you say late second round for Votto, are you... His ADP is 23rd. So you're using our 12-team standard? Right. Okay. 
Right. Okay. I, right. I feel like ESPN generally let writes for ten team leagues, so I just wanted to make sure. So that would even be thir- a, a third round pick. Right. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to bring that up too. I do think ESPN typically skews towards ten team leagues, but yeah, uh, we've we've actually talked about that a lot. How the first baseman that you could get in round two would influence which corner infield spot you take in round one. Uh, but you know, also the shortstops are in that mix. Like, I don't know if you have it open, but do you know where Corey Seager and Carlos Correa are going? I am only looking at the list that I put together for you. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, actually, Chris Davis is falling to 82nd overall. So either the end of the seventh in a 12 team or the start of the ninth in a 10 team. Mm-hmm. Uh, all catchers go late on ESPN. So I didn't want to just populate the list entirely with catchers, but Jonathan LaCroix is going 89th overall. Well behind Posey and Sanchez, 8-9 turn if you're in a 10-team league. I think that's phenomenal value. I get if they're all 10-team leagues, people aren't as worried about filling one catcher slot. But LaCroix is still a lot better than everybody else that's available. Okay, Carlos Correa and Corey Seager are both going between picks 16 and 19 on CBS, ESPN, and Yahoo. So no major bargains there and no big differences couple of starting pitchers going in the 100 to 120 range. Cole Hamels at 100 overall. Hmm. Danny Salazar at 120 overall. I don't need to take him as early as I've been taking him. Apparently, you can get him at the end of the 10th <laughs> round in the 12-team league. Or yeah, is that a bargain? I'm 12th not... round. It's not, <laughs> yeah, not a, bargain, a bargain, according to Scott. That's exactly where he has him ranked. Uh, a couple more on ESPN. Aledmus Diaz, 151 overall. It's ridiculous. Wow. Aaron Nola, 190. James Paxton, 191. Lance McCullers, 198. Taiwan Walker, 285. It is, uh, it is worth noting with Aledmus Diaz. There are four sites listed on Fantasy Pros, uh, ADP. He is 148, 149, 149, and 87. The 87 <laughs> being, uh, CBSSports.com. And I don't know, maybe we're all just dumb and can't see what everyone else does not see in Aledmus Diaz, but that seems seems a little weird. I don't know why everyone's so down on Aledmus. I did have that when I was uh, when I when I was talking about my Tout Wars team, and I think I took Aledmus Diaz in round eight or nine, something like that, of a fifteen team league, mind mm. you. It, it may have actually been round seven of a fifteen team league, but I felt it was great value, and I got a lot of blowback like is that really good value i don't understand i i mean i'm happy with him at that point i'm happy with him at that point in a 12 team league yeah he's the last of the potentially first tier shortstops so well i don't know i guess addison russell's potentially a first tier shortstop jose peraza but ones who have already performed at basically a first tier tier level yeah, I mean, I can understand thinking that, you know, 80th or so is a little early for De- Diaz, 87th. Not to say that I think it is, I guess I can understand it, but I can't understand 150th. That's, that's wild. Anything else, Heath? That's all I got. Alright. Um, I wanted to ask you guys, I was doing, we're doing this low draft, I mention it every day, and I took Jonathan VR, I took him 60th overall in a points league, and he walks a lot, and Shortstop, and this is a 14-team league. I actually was pretty, pretty surprised at how much my draft strategy has changed in a 14-team league compared to a 12-team league. I really have gone with position scarcity. I've factored it in much more because I was sitting there before the Polanco injury. Do I take Polanco? Or do I take VR? Polanco or VR? And I took VR, and I wouldn't normally do that, but position scarcity. But 
VR, even though I drafted him on 60th, I thought was good value. He's just a guy that I don't really want to draft. So I want to know if there's anyone, multiple players, I'm sure, that unless it's just unbelievable, amazing value, he's just not your guy, and you are not drafting who? Uh, Rick Porcello, Kyle Hendricks, Jonathan VR, Gene Segura. Okay, the usual, the usual suspects. Yeah, okay. you're, just, you're just basically going off your bus list there. Uh, Francisco Lindor at his current price. I just, I never seem to be able to justify a current late second round value. What about early third? For Even that, like, he's pretty good, but he's just kind of pretty good across the board. I feel like in a lot of our drafts, he falls to the end of the third, though. And then I feel pretty good about it. I have the same. I mean, I, I'm kind of in the same place as Lind, as Chris with Lindor because I feel like, well, I know I like Gene Segura and, and probably Jonathan VR more than you guys do. And then there's always Aladmus Diaz to fall back on even beyond that. Like, I just don't, I don't think Lindor and even Bogarts even more so for me. I don't feel like they stand out enough from the rest of that group to justify a third-round pick. Now, if it was fourth round, that's when I might start thinking about and, it, and but it rarely is. Someone I follow on Twitter, or someone who follows us on Twitter, uh, sent, I think Heath and I a message yesterday, Ooh. comparing Jose Ramirez and Francisco Lindor. I was about numbers. to say that. They're like, I was Jose about Ramirez to say that. is going like 90 spots later, and he hit four fewer home runs. Yeah. Well, I like Jose Ramirez. I, I guess the issue there is Lindor's done it basically two years in a row. Yeah. And Ramirez won. But now I agree Lind relatively speaking, Ramirez is the value pick there for sure. Scott, anybody that you're you're just not drafting? Well Bogarts is is legitimately one. I've I've skipped him over in my rankings a few times. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know. Adam Jones, I think I'm to the point where I'm not really drafting him. I don't think he stands out Danny Salazar. by enough. Well, Danny Salazar, yeah, I didn't I didn't want to just go straight down the bus list. Yeah. Uh -huh. I, I put a couple of guys on, on my list also, Stanton and Braun. I just haven't really been like round four I would. And I, I, I thought I remember doing a draft like a couple months ago, an early mock draft, and I took Giancarlo Stanton uh with like the first pick of round three. And I thought, yeah, I'm gonna look smart. He's gonna have a great year. And he might. But I don't know. I haven't I haven't quite had the guts to pull the trigger on Stanton and Braun, who I consider kinda risky in round three, but also could make me look completely stupid. They could have enormous years. I, I'm aware of I, that. I would say there's a better chance like there's a pretty decent chance Ryan Braun just returns like third round value on a third round pick. I feel like there's no chance Giancarlo Stanton returns <laughs> third round value. Like you're either getting like a late first rounder or like a 19th rounder. Um, and there's I'll, just no room in between. I'll copy off Chris's uh, homework a little bit and say Buster Posey. Yeah, all three of the no. elite catchers for no, me. I don't say that. Uh, I, I say <laughs> yeah, Posey just I, because. I was saying. Right. Just because I've taken Posey, I think, twice and both times, like two rounds later, Jonathan LaCroix or Gary Sanchez is still there. I'm like, crap. So I'm See, just that's, that's the thing is sometimes it. Gary Sanchez goes before Buster Posey. Right. I'm just going to wait and take Jonathan McCroy after both those guys are fine. Yeah, I never like take McCroy. Felix Hernandez. Oh, yeah. So, Scott, you haven't really been on the show that much lately, but, you know, there's there's some fantasy baseball today optimism, mostly from Chris, about Felix Hernandez and good velocity, better, you know, somewhat encouraging spring. Where are you on on that? 
Yeah, it is somewhat encouraging. I think it's a lot. There's been a lot of talk about him kind of reinventing himself for his twilight years. Um, I guess the velocity has been a little better than it was for most of last year, but it's still not like he's, you know, he's still lost a lot of his velocity from when he, yeah, was but he, he's back to where he was in 2015. There's been, I know the, the Mariners have encouraged him to use his secondary pitches more, um, kind of, Become, Which is what happens to all pitchers as they age. Yeah, kind of become. Did Verlander do that last year? Not all pitchers, but <laughs> most pitchers. It, it, I was a sign of age. No, it's most, a sign of age. Most pitchers, you can't, you can't blow your fastball by. Yeah, most pitchers anymore, throw their so fastballs sixty-five percent of the time or up earlier in their careers, and then as they age, it tends to kind of get right around fifty percent. My stance on Felix has softened over the course of spring training because the results have been pretty good, but. I don't think – I think the chances of him bouncing back to the ace level we saw a couple years ago are virtually nil, and I think a lot of the pitchers drafted in the same range have a pretty good chance of doing that. So Felix Hernandez could be fine. He could he could have kind of a John Lackey-type season, I guess, but I just want more. All right, we actually have a lot of news to get to, by the way, and our email address is fantasybaseball at cbsi.com, and you definitely want to stay tuned for later in the show when it's Team Name Tuesday. I've got one. Oh, oh, oh all right, hit me with Great it. Great submission from a listener. What is it? It is from our good friend, Brad Altman. Oh, yeah. Open up a canoe whoop-ass. <laughs> That's pretty good. Wait, is it is it canoe of or canoe? No. Whoop-ass, yeah. Cano whoop-ass. Right. That's pretty good. I like that. Yeah. Well done, Brad. Good job, Brad. Um, yeah, so we'll get to those a little bit later. But the news is important today. We got some big stuff. Jerry's Familia, according to the New York Times, his suspension will likely be less than 30 games. That's what Aroldis Chapman's was. And what does this mean for you guys? I've kind of felt for a while that people were being a little too careful with him in drafts, putting up him at the very back end of that giant second tier among relievers. Uh, you know, even behind like Kelvin Herrera and Cody Allen, who I don't think is going to get as high a percentage of his team saves as a lot of closers will. Uh, Familia, I'm fine with him as my number one closer, even if he does miss 20 games, whatever it ends up being. Yeah, and we figure Addison Reed will step in in his place. And I just want to say Chapman... Missed a month last year, and he finished as the number six closer in both points and Roto. And there's, you know, Familia, not, not going to strike out as many guys, but he can put up numbers like Chapman. He's pretty damn good. He put up save totals, that's for sure. Uh, Adrian Beltre has calf tightness, doesn't seem serious. Good news for Carlos Carrasco. He's going to pitch the second game of the season for Cleveland, so he'll be in the rotation to start the year. Jorge Soler, ouch, oblique strain. He will begin the year on the DL Heath. Exactly. This happened like the same day they optioned Peter O'Brien though, right? I thought that was weird. Yeah, I don't think, uh, they, they, everything I've read is they have no interest in playing Peter O'Brien. They do not believe. Did they lose their DH spot? What's that? Did they lose their DH spot? Brandon Moss is going to play DH. That's fine. Uh, Paulo Orlando will move into the starting right field spot. Probably better for the pitchers. Orlando's a much better defensive player than Soler is. I guess this probably means that Terrence Gore makes the roster and pinch runs for a bunch. I don't know. Maybe he actually gets some at-bats. I don't think that's a good idea. 
<laughs> oh, by the way, we're going to talk about the line out of Shields. The line out of Shields, 12 steals in 12 attempts and 14 walks in spring training. Yep. So we will discuss him shortly. Uh, but Raul Mondesi will be Kansas City's starting second baseman. Let's go to Speaking our, let's go to our, uh, Royals correspondent, Heath Cummings, for his reaction yes. on Raul Mondesi starting Just, second baseman. To be clear, I did not put these notes together for us to talk about all these Royals, but. True. It was the highest upside play they had. I don't think the Royals wanted to start Mondesi in the major leagues because now they pretty much have to send Whit Merrifield down or they have to cut Cuthbert or Cologne. So they didn't want to do this. He kind of forced their hand. I don't know that like, Mondesi basically has to hit like 270 because he's not going to walk at all. Well, he's a steals guy though, right? Well, but he has to get on base. Okay, so... The only so, way to have a 300 on base is hit 270, probably. Is Mondesi worth a pick in a, in a roto league with a middle infield spot? Um, in the reserve rounds late, sure. I, I think there's upside. There's untapped upside here. That yeah. He may finally be showing this spring. I think there's power upside. You know, he has three home runs, including a big one walk off to center field the other day, right? Yeah. Um, I, that, that almost worries me. I don't well, think he's going to be a 15 or 20 homer guy in the majors, and so I, I just am afraid he starts using I, the Chris Towers swing for the fences approach. I mean, he's so young. It's like it's yeah. such a projectable form of power, not not one that's really showed up in the results yet. But and 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 he's actually said this spring part of the difference he's making is not swinging out of his shoes like he used to. That's not an exact quote, but that was the gist of it. So. I feel like he's it's really he's really starting to mature and and bring the talent together when he's just coming into his physical peak. And the the narrative that Dayton Moore I read in the uh Dayton Moore talking about it was that the passing of Jordano Ventura uh caused him to really change the way he approached the game and put a sense of urgency into him. All right, well about look, improving this, his game. Yeah, so I don't is, maybe true. This is Raul like as a late round sleeper in those leagues. Raul Mondesi that we're talking about here. Okay, so another source of steals potentially, and maybe more. Talking, talking to, whatever you heard, you heard what Scott said. Um, Gregory Polanco sat again yesterday, and I guess what I didn't realize is that he's been bothered. Polanco's been bothered by this shoulder injury since like 2013 or something crazy. It's been a while. I guess it's a chronic thing for him. Uh, have you guys seen that? That it's. You know, a chronic recurring issue for Polanco, and is that a, a concern for his long-term value? I can find I the know. quote here, if that helps. I think the fact that, like, he's had trouble staying on the field from time to time is does affect his value. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, we're not doctors. He's, we haven't seen the the MRIs. I have not been able to examine his CT scans. Yeah, so, so it's really hard to say. But it's really hard to project him for 155 games. Sure. He's no Andrew McCutcheon. <laughs> uh, he, okay, this is according to the Post-Gazette. Polanco, the shoulder has bugged Polanco on and off since he heard it diving for a ball in 2013. Wow. And it actually affected him last year. He had to sit for a few games and be a pinch hitter. So that uh, is interesting. Um, okay. Can so, I go back one second? Yeah, sure. Raul Mondesi. I was searching for something that I had seen on RoyalsReview.com. Um, six of Raul Mondesi's 17 hits this spring are bunt singles, <laughs> which doesn't seem like a sustainable pace. <laughs> I don't know. And we then, were just talking about that with Billy Hamilton. Why doesn't he just bunt every time up? Yeah. 
Um, and then <laughs> yeah. he, he has 18 at bats against pitchers either projected to be in a major league starting rotation or as one of the top three relievers out of the bullpen. He is three for 18 with seven strikeouts. Wow. So good for Royals review. That's some pretty, nice he's stuff. done really well against non-major leaguers. It's worth noting only because usually that kind of small slicing, I think is kind of pointless, but because he's never actually hit in the majors and because he looked completely disastrously lost last season. Uh, it fair, is has he ever hit in the minors more than he did in the majors. Okay. He hit like 145 last year. I think. Yeah. All right, that's enough Raul Mondesi talk. Tampa Bay acquired uh, Peter Borges from the White Sox for cash. It doesn't really matter. Some minor injuries for the Cubs. Ben Zobrist has a sore neck. Addison Russell has a sore back. Jose Barrios was sent to AAA. Tyler Duffy could make the Twins rotation. A year ago, we were kind of excited about Tyler Duffy. Is anybody still excited about Duffy? No. Nope. Nope. I I still don't hate the idea of a late, late pick on Barrios. I'm not sure he'll be down there for a long time. And Andrew Triggs and Raul Alcantara are in the Oakland rotation. Triggs was terrible yesterday against those mighty Royals. He had a good explanation for it, though. He was working on his changeup, which is his fourth best pitch, and he says what happens when you're emphasizing your fourth best pitch is you're going to fall behind a lot in the count and give up a lot of hits. So it seemed to make sense to me. Well, is, is Triggs fantasy relevant? Yes, uh, at least in head-to-head points leagues because of his relief pitcher eligibility. Okay. He's, I mean, I like Corbin more, but Triggs is in that discussion. The race for the Mets' fifth starter spot is on, and that is Zach Wheeler, who had a very good start yesterday, five scoreless innings. And Seth Lugo also pitched yesterday in a split-squad game, and he had a bad start. So Wheeler wins yesterday. That doesn't mean he's going to get the job. Apparently he has a 120 innings limit. He has not pitched in the big leagues in two years, what's your take yeah. on the Mets right now? I don't have much interest in Wheeler, even if he gets the rotation spot. He's very similar to Matt Moore uh, in that, you know, very hyped prospect, throws hard, has good stuff, but the results lagged a little behind because of efficiency, because of control issues. If he has a 120-inning limit, I don't know, he could be useful in head-to-head leagues when he's pitching, but I'm not targeting him. He only has a year and a half of big league experience. Yeah, to be fair, um, and I, a I three five like, ERA over that span. It's not like he's been. He hasn't been bad, no. no. But Matt Moore had similar results before his Tommy John as well. But it I was mean, a lot of Matt Moore is also like the forty fifth starting pitcher off the board or something like that. So yeah. I mean, it's is Wheeler going to be an ace this year? No, I uh, I, th- I think he's a good deep sleeper. I yeah, and I, I'd actually. Honestly, I'd prefer if he wasn't in the Mets rotation to start out because he would go to extended spring training. You could stash him in a DL spot. And then once he did come back, you wouldn't have to worry about him getting shut down all of a sudden. He also, would be even more he'd be throwing, prepared for the season, too. He'd be throwing those innings in extended spring, though. Well, I don't no, I, I, they'd hold him back. The, the, whole, the whole idea of that plan would be to preserve his innings for later in the year. Uh, by the way, he, you know, he did have a decent ERA, 342, 354, but Wheeler had a 136 yep. whip and a 133 whip in two seasons. So he's gotta get that control, yeah. uh, you know, controlled. Now, Hyunjin Ryu. Let's go to Hyunjin Ryu, guys. Probably shouldn't have waited 28 minutes to talk about him. He's in the Dodgers rotation, and let's remind you about Ryu. Uh, Ryu is 30. In 2016, last year, he pitched four and two-thirds innings. 
and he missed all of 2015. So he's basically like Wheeler has been completely gone for for two years. 2013, Ryu was 14 and eight with a three ERA and a 1.20 WHIP. 2014, he was 14 and seven with a 3.38 ERA and a 1.19 WHIP, and did a little bit better with the strikeouts, 139 in 152 innings. Is anybody interested in Hyunjin Ryu on your fantasy rosters? I see him more as a guy to monitor at the start of the year. He puts together a couple good starts at the beginning, then he becomes an attractive waiver claim. His velocity isn't all the way back yet. He's not a guy who has big velocity in the first place, so maybe it's not as big of a deal as for somebody like Matt Harvey. But uh, the results have been good. Obviously, he was a fantasy mainstay before he got hurt. Don't think we're to the point of drafting him in a mixed league yet, but I'm keeping an eye on him. Okay, Hyunjin Ryu, and finally, oh, by the way, uh, Alex Wood's going to begin the season on the DL, so Brandon McCarthy, no, no. not Alex Wood, uh, Scott oh, Kazmir. Kaz- Kazmir. Yeah, it's between McCarthy and Alex Wood, the fifth spot. Yeah, it's- and uh, Alex Cobb has a back injury, but it's not really an injury. He, he will be fine. Here are three random questions from Adam to you. I feel like we love Yasmani Grandal. Am I right? Chris definitely does. I just like him. I'm kind of, I don't, I, I never draft him because one of these two guys gets to him before me. I, I think he kind of is who he is. So he'll be on Team Kreef, not Team Scam. <laughs> yeah. Well, Chris isn't going to be there at the draft, so we'll probably have Jonathan LaCroix. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Grandal necessarily is who he is because I can't, like, what I can't understand with Yasmani Grandal is why he's been such a bad batting average guy when he doesn't, you know, he, he, he doesn't have a terrible walk to strikeout ratio. Like, I just don't get why he hits 220. And two years ago, he was having a great year and then he finished with like four hits in his last 80 at bats because he got hurt. And he got hurt. Yeah, he got hurt. Um, two years ago in 2015, he was hitting 295 with a five, 295, 400, 512. On August fourth, yeah. that's insane. And then he hit 072 in his last 32 games. Um, so he, yeah, his batting average is going to be relatively low because he doesn't hit a lot of line drives because he hits a relatively high number of fly balls. Those t- things would tend to drive your BABIP down. But I still think he was a 250 BABIP guy last year. His career is 275. If he just had a 275 BABIP last year, he probably hits 250, and then all of a sudden he looks a lot better. All right, that's question the first. Question the second. Should question the, li- the first. It's it's from, I like that. It's from The Simpsons. Uh, name that episode, Scott. Question the I first. No, I thought it sounded weird too. It's um, it's when Lisa wants to go to the exhibit at the museum and she takes the bus. She asks the comic book guy if if she could sit next to him, and he's like, "Yes, if you could answer me these questions three. Question the first, and she just walks away disgusted. So there it is. Um, right. let's get those lightsabers out, Chris. Delino to Shields. Delino to Shields again. 12 steals and 12 attempts. 14 walks. Should he be drafted? In Roto Leagues, I think he should because steals are so scarce and because it sounds like he's the Rangers leadoff hitter. Like they, he came in, they asked him coming into this season to make an effort to get on base and be aggressive on the bases like he was two years ago. I think last year he got kind of caught up trying to build up as more of a power hitter. Uh, I think he slimmed down in the offseason. I think I remember reading that. And obviously the results have been exactly what the Rangers wanted. So it sounds like he's going to be a leadoff hitter. Obviously two years ago as a rookie, he mattered in Roto Leagues. So do you think Profar is just out? 
Yeah, or he's going to be in his utility guy. Uh, DeShield sounds like he is the left fielder and leadoff hitter of a deep lineup. I mean, even apart from the steals, that counts for something. I actually think DeShields and Mondesi both, to go back to him, I'm, I'm writing a piece today, um, the spring training storylines that haven't gotten attention, enough attention, the spring training developments that haven't, and both of them, DeShields and Mondesi, are on that list. Oh, how about that? Would you rather have DeShields or Brett Gardner? I'd rather have DeShields. I'm not sure what Brett Gardner really stands out in anymore. Yeah, being bad. <laughs> like somebody dropped him in our Memorial Magazine League, which is 12 teams, 30 roster spots, and I'm like, oh, I got to pick up Brett Gardner. And then when I really started looking at who I'd have to drop for him, I was like, no, I guess I don't have to pick up Brett Gardner. That's a pretty deep league, 360 yeah, players. Yeah, I, I still think Brett Gardner's probably a top 60 outfielder, though. I yeah, I think he's. Too, yep. Yeah. Um. All right. Would you rather have Yasiel Puig or Delano to Shields? Yasiel Puig. Puig. I'd rather have Puig. All right. And finally, uh, question the third. Should Gerardo Parra be drafted? Maybe get like a few weeks out of a Colorado hitter. Should he be drafted? I don't think so. I think he can be drafted. I'm not. I, I think I have him like 290. Here's the thing. If you say a couple of weeks. If Gerardo Parra starts well, this was a battle during spring training. Did I say a couple? I think I said a few weeks. Even a few. Like, I don't think Gerardo Parra is just destined to go to the bench as soon as everyone's healthy. Well, yeah, what was weird about him last year, he's never going to walk much. His strikeout rate went up, but he only had a 297 Babbitt playing for the Rockies. This is a guy with a 320 career Babbitt. You would expect a 320 career Babbitt to play up to like 330, 340. And uh if not higher. Yeah, and so I, I you know, there's a chance that he could be a, a two ninety batting average guy in Colorado. I'm just not sure what else he'll be, you know? Yeah. Like and, and I don't I don't rule out the possibility, like Keith was saying, he it ends up being more than a couple of weeks, they don't just immediately turn the job over to David Dahl, but I'm not sure if it what he provides will be attractive enough. All right. That's Gerardo Parra. So I'm guessing you, if you were picking up one, you'd pick up the Shields over Parra? I would. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So, Chris, let's talk about rotisserie. People want to know, hey, how much do I need in each particular category to, to win? So what did you find? All right. Let me pull that up. I looked at the results of uh, CBS Sports 12-team mixed leagues last year. Uh, that Not necessarily. If you have a games played limit, your numbers are going to be lower, but... Um, do you want me to just go through every category? Um, yeah, sure. Okay, to get first place, could, first place, the average first place last year. Could, yes. Before you start into this, can you kind of explain the methodology? I don't know if that's boring to listen to, but I just wanted, wondered how you arrived at these numbers. I have a spreadsheet with the results of every uh, CBSSports.com league last season. Um, I okay. averaged, <laughs> I took the average of every first place, the average of every second place, and so on down the line. Okay, and, and okay. then just in case people aren't clear, the way it works in Roto, let's say the category is batting average and there are 12 teams. If your team has the best collective batting average, you get 12 points. If yes. you're in second place, you get 11 points, all the way down to one point for finishing in last place in each category. So Chris is going to tell us 
the number what that it took won. to win last. Yeah. And, and you were just and you were just this was just for twelve team leagues. Just for twelve team. Okay. I have posted on Twitter AL and NL only for twelve team as well. Okay. At C Tower CBS. This is twelve team mixed. <laughs> and at CBS Fantasy. Okay. Uh, but this is twelve team mixed, five by five batting average, first place average, two eighty one last year. Uh, three, 332 home runs. Actually, let's do this. Chris, let's do this. Let's do what first place average and let's do what sixth place average. So you know what, okay. what the pack is. 281 for batting average was first place, 269 for sixth nice. place. So a 12 point difference. Yes. Um, home runs, 332 for first place, 285 for second place or sixth place. That's 47 dogs. Yes. Uh, 11, 1,105 runs was first place. 1,002 was sixth place. That's a lot. 103 RBI. Uh, yes. 1088 was first place in RBI. 980 for, uh, for sixth place. Stolen bases, 173 to 120. So. 53. Yeah. One, uh. Billy Hamilton. One Trey Turner could win you, (laughs) could move you from sixth to, to first. That's huge. That's huge. Yeah. yeah. One Billy Hamilton could move you from like ninth to first if mm-hmm. he has a good season. Wow. Uh, wins. First place was 107. Sixth place was 88. So not that big of a gap. 19 wins. Uh, ERA 331 to 378. Strikeouts 1502 to 1312. Ooh, that's almost 190 two- strikeouts. That's almost 200. Wow. Whip 1.14 to 1.23. And saves 119 to 82. So I think what you see is that in the counting numbers, basically like one elite hitter moves you from first to sixth place. So I'd be curious. And I, I mean, you could go through them. I don't know if we want to do that, but, um, like, cause, cause that's a big gap between one and six for most of yeah. those categories. The gap seemed large. And a lot of times, I mean, you don't win Roto League by finishing first in every yeah. category you've win it win by when should finishing fourth in every category or maybe a little higher than that yeah. maybe a little lower than that that's generally how it works so you don't like you don't have if to you're aim aiming for first, for first yeah. right you're you're probably overkilling in one area and underdoing it in other areas and and that's how the results turn out too a lot of times the person who wins home runs may win it by more than they needed to yeah i looked at uh one of the Roto Leagues we did last year, I actually finished first in home runs with like 360, and I was 40 ahead of second place. Right. That's a situation where I could have definitely sacrificed some power. You had some excess to, dongs there. I did have some excess dongs. Uh, and the whole point of this was I was thinking about Billy Hamilton and whether he's worth drafting. And I think he is because he's one guy that you can just – you can invest one roster spot in Billy Hamilton, and if he hits, plays 150 games, I think he's probably going to steal – 75 or more bases that's basically you can just not worry about steals all that much for the rest of your roster and still end up in pretty good shape just because of him and vr stole 62 bases last year and if you if you recall the research i did like a month ago a month ago at least uh it's rare for a guy to steal that many bases and not steal 40 the next year as long as he stays healthy so as much as i don't really want vr i kind of feel like he's going to steal 40 bases or more and he's he's not a bad pick. I, it's just like a personal thing for me. I just it'd be, it'd be are, fine are if he was to... going in the sixth, fifth, sixth, seventh round. But when he goes in the third round, I don't even. Well, I, I don't want to take him in the, the third. The round. format I want VR the most, and Adam is the one we're drafting together on Thursday. So are we going to be butting heads over VR? And in a sixteen-team league, I will take him in the third round. There was only <laughs> one correct answer there, Adam. 
Well, are I'm we going to say yes, VR? Well, oh, yes, VR. But that's the thing. Like, I don't really agree. Oh, see, this is the problem. Like, if Scott and I were doing a head-to-head points league or even a standard Roto league together, I think we'd be okay. I do not agree with all of Scott's theories on the head-to-head categories, which is what we're doing together, which is what the podcast for the People League is. Like, Maybe you can calm him down a little bit this year. Well, no, I just I don't need calming down. Maybe I'm exactly right. <laughs> I don't know. You a record? You're obsessed. You're like obsessed well, with I categories. Know, changing the approach because the record was so bad last year. You're obsessed with categories, though. That's the thing. Like you're gonna well, take it's the categories lead, but you're gonna take VR over better overall player, and for one, for the purpose of one category. Yeah, I, I mean, if the purpose is to win categories in a given week, you need the kind of players that can win new categories in a short span of time. But if and he's the guy who's going to win you, steal sixty bases, do that. Guys who steal fifteen, not so much. But if can he's the we guy who's please win do you... a podcast with just the two of you during the draft on Thursday night? If he's going to win you category, then and lose you categories, he's not. He'll he'll hit home, he'll hit as many home runs as like the the comparison. That we made in the mock draft earlier that, that, that in, for this format, head to head categories, uh, that spawned this whole conversation was Francisco Lindor versus Jonathan VR. I mean. No, it's Bogart. In all too. likelihood, VR is going to homer as much as Lindor does too. But I, but it's Bogart's, Scott. Bogart's. Like that's the one I would struggle with. If you wanted to take VR over Bogart's, it would, uh, you know. We're gonna have a problem here because you don't like Bogart's. And yeah. I really do. So maybe we'll just take a short stop at another point of the draft. We'll see. Let's oh. let's not count our chickens before we hatch. Okay. All right. I I think I think we can like now that I've been forced into this position, I I think we can make something magical together, Adam. Okay, good. I'm excited. Um and then the real issue is going to be like, you know what I do is I watch baseball and you know, a lot and I make <laughs> a lot of ad drops. And uh, I don't know how that's gonna go. Like I'm gonna have to text you a lot, but you go to sleep probably because you got a kid. You probably go to sleep before I do, so I don't want to wake you. Doesn't sleep. No, I don't. I don't go to sleep that early. All right, well that's good. I get up pretty early. Okay, well we can talk in the morning. Although yeah. I don't want to talk. No, that's weird. You know, I I co-managed a team with you last year, and I don't remember you really being that involved. Actually, Football's actually, different than baseball. Actually, Adam, you might, my, my greatest weakness as a fantasy player right now is just the, you know, the number of leagues I'm in. Like, I can't go through all those leagues every night. I, I tend to save my ad drops for one day of the week and just do them all together across the board. So I miss out on some of those midweek pickups. So if you're doing that and, you know, you're just texting me for approval, which is fine. Um, all right. You know, it could be the best of both worlds. Riveting this, this stuff. could work. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, the, the, the podcast listeners are hanging on to the, by the edge of their seats trying to figure out, uh, this is, this is really all right. phenomenal. All right. Let's do something more interesting then. Well, I'll let you decide. Should we do favorite formats? Should we do over under for this year? We could also save any of these for tomorrow. Oh crap. I forgot about yesterday's spring training stuff. And team name Tuesday. Oh, we got a lot. All right, we're gonna save. <laughs> we're gonna save favorite formats for tomorrow. Let's talk more nitty gritty baseball short. stuff. Uh, no, it'll end up being long. Trust me. Uh, yesterday's spring training stuff. So uh, let's do some bad performances, and you guys tell me what you're concerned about, if anything. Eduardo Rodriguez. Uh, he had uh, he gave up four runs in the fourth inning, and John Farrell said he had a lack of focus. And he came in with a 208 ERA, got beat up yesterday by the Orioles. Eduardo Rodriguez, uh, Daniel Norris, 13 hits, nine runs, and three and two thirds. He was dealing with a dead arm. 
Brad Osmus yeah. said, "You've got to, you've got to battle through that." I believe the quote was, uh, "My, my arm feels like it weighs a million pounds." Oh, well, that's a lot of pounds. See, Colin McHugh had dead arm too, right? And he they had, just shut him down for like a month. Uh, he had general dead arm. General dead arm. So this yeah. is just heavy dead arm. This is villain. corporal dead arm, right? <laughs> Private Private class. dead arm. Uh, but that arm happens. It, it does, and I guess we shouldn't panic over over Daniel right. Norris. Osmus, and neither Osmus or Norris seemed worried in the long run. Uh, but I think it's horrible timing for Norris because Boyd has been the Tigers' second best pitcher this spring, and Anibal Sanchez, since making a mechanical adjustment, is like no hit everybody. Yeah. So I don't know that we can be a hundred percent sure Daniel Norris has a rotation spot, but he probably does. All right, and the other one that was you know bad in quotes. Carlos Martinez, he's got a 138 ERA. That's great. Six strikeouts in 13 innings. This is a guy who, remember we read that article that he might get away from striking batters out to go deeper into games, Carlos Martinez, and he struck out eight per nine last year, which isn't very good for an ace. So six strikeouts in 13 innings for Carlos Martinez. Your thoughts? The Blue Jays are going to trade for him. <laughs> he, Yeah, I mean, the fact that he's talked about pitching to contact more, I – Look, it's hard to complain about the results, even without the strikeouts uh, last season. But, you know, I think the strikeouts are what could push him into the legitimate ace territory. And so that's what I'd like to see him do. And it's not happening? Not yet. We'll see. All right, good stuff. Uh, Trey Turner and Bryce Harper both homered twice against the Mets. Max Scherzer. Did walk three batters, but two hits, no runs, seven strikeouts in five innings against the Mets. Albert Pujols having a nice spring, got a 981 OPS, batting 343. CJ Crone stole his third base. Mike Trout stole his fourth base. I'll stop there, and we'll do a few more after this. But um, we got Trey Turner and Harper homering twice. Scherzer with a good start. Pujols, Crone, anything? Pujols has had really good springs for, like, the entire time during his decline phase. And it's making me wonder, like, what is it about the spring that, like, because he's hit for batting average in the spring as long as well with power, and then once the season starts, he stops hitting for batting average. And I just wonder, like, is that just like teams are playing worse defenders? They aren't instituting the same kind of defensive shifts against him in the spring. He's not tired. That of kind of stuff. That's what I. The second one is is kind of what I what I guess. I mean, I, I don't have any information on yeah. it, but I, I would guess in spring training they're not really going all out with the, the infield shifts, and I feel like that's been. The biggest yeah. detriment to Pujols' batting average over the years. I think he's just been resting for three months and his old body isn't tired. I, yeah, the he thing doesn't is, usually I mean, get off to good starts, though, in April. Well, he's like, tired. We downgraded Pujols in early February because we weren't sure if he was going to be healthy. He's healthy now, and like every year he still hits 30 home runs. Like, I feel like he's being a little undervalued. Yeah, that's point. that's what I thought, too. But, you know, Scott, you haven't really weighed in on... The, uh, the talk of, of the spring training, Greg Bird. Would you rather have Greg Bird or or uh, Albert Pujols? I'm going to have more shares in Bird. I'd draft Pujols first, though. Now You know what? Somebody tweeted me yesterday, Greg Greg Bird and his draft went in the eighth round or the seventh round or something like that, and Hanley Ramirez went two rounds later. I, I definitely think it's realistic that we're going to start seeing somebody in every draft or close, you know, or most drafts, many drafts, whatever, reach for Greg Bird, and I— I kind of feel like he'll go ahead of Albert Pujols now. Yes, I've done, I agree. I've done three drafts in the last week. They're the only three where I drafted Greg Bird, and I got him in rounds 18, 19, and 20. 
respectively. I, so yeah, I think that's the uh, and I'm there's a way you can look at ADP just over the last week, and I'm curious what it is because I feel like that's the exception. I could be wrong. That's surprising. Chris is going to be right. I'm just saying that's why I haven't like. Well, but but in you know in a vacuum, who do you like better, Pujols or Bird? I'd still take Pujols if it came down to it. Yeah, I mean, I'd... there's a chance Greg Bird does end up sitting more against lefties than we think he's going to, and I'd much rather have Bird. Like Pujols, if he's healthy, you know you're going to start him every week, and he's going to be. I mean, as much as you can say for anybody in their mid 30s, he's going to be fine. Well, here's Pujols' finish at first base the last three seasons: two in second in points, third in roto. Sixth in points, eighth in roto, eleventh in points, tenth in roto. So he's he's gotten worse every year. To the yeah, point and where I, he's I I just look at him in, in roto. He's just a two category guy, and they're not necessarily difficult categories to find. All right, let's go back to yesterday's uh, spring training stuff. Ivan Nova is having a really good spring. One twenty nine ERA, one walk, thirteen strikeouts in fourteen innings. Vince Velasquez had a great start against the Blue Jays. Shelby Miller did fine, I guess. Uh, four and a third, five hits, two runs, two walks, and four strikeouts. And Jabari Blash hit his seventh home run of the spring. So Nova, Velasquez, Shelby Miller, Jabari Blash, anything to say about those guys? I've come around to Velasquez a bit. I know Chris has always been at the forefront, has been leading that parade. Um, but... Had a really good spring. Strikeout rate's been off the charts. He's been working on his secondary stuff. One bad outing, basically. I liked like him he kinda, so much. He kind of contributed very heavily to the the legend of Greg Bird growing. Greg Bird crushed <laughs> two massive home runs yeah. off of him. I liked him so much going into last season. Like if it seems like he's making improvements, I should just kind of forget about last. You know what's year's kind ERA. of interesting to me though? What? The pitcher I think he's most similar to, or will end up being most similar to in the long run, is Danny Salazar, who you despise. It's not so much that I despise Danny Salazar. Like, if Danny Salazar was valued like Vince Velasquez was, yeah, I'd probably like Danny Salazar. Well, no, I just I just mean, like, when he looks good, he's going to look like the best pitcher in baseball. And yeah. when he doesn't look good, he's going to miss his spots by three inches and get crushed. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when I wrote about Vince Velasquez earlier, it was actually the fastball's there. He's got an incredible fastball, racks up a ton of whiffs with it, really good results. The secondary pitches are all... Kind of middling. He's got three just kind of like decent mm. uh, secondaries, Vince Velasquez. If he can get one of them to be plus and another one to just be average, he's got ace potential. I want to ask you, Chris, about Shelby Miller because you've been you've expressed some enthusiasm for him mm-hmm. recently, and I don't know that I don't know how I feel about Shelby Miller. He's been throwing really hard this spring. Yeah. Um. I feel like last year was such an aberration that it, it's hard to take seriously. And he may be being undervalued in that general sense, but at the same time, that same league I was referring to earlier where 360 players are rostered, I was dropping him for Patrick Corbett the other day. Yeah, no, but they didn't like that. Heath Kreese did not like that. Oh, neither of you liked it. Uh, I didn't, I don't know that I didn't like it. I think I just egged Chris on a little bit. Oh, okay. Well, I, yeah, I don't know I, how to distinguish look, between the two. We're, we're talking about guys at the end of your draft that you're taking a flyer on. Yeah. You know, the Lance Lynn comparison was one that I've made. Patrick Corbin's another one. These are guys that have shown the ability to be above average pitchers who, for whatever reason, haven't been or weren't last year. The thing with Miller is that 
he's basically going undrafted across the board. He's got a 401 ADP right now. Um, Which I is, think his ownership's like 20% in CBSSports.com leagues. Well, um, well, well, can I just speed it up and ask, would you rather have Shelby Miller or Yvonne Nova? Shelby Miller. Uh, in a in a mixed league where there were options to fall back on, I'll, I'll take the higher upsided Miller. I might say Nova, okay. just because I'm like, I think they're both probably streamers earlier in the early in the year. It's just, I mean, it's and I'd just rather to, stream Nova. It's just to give a different answer. Like, like if to to really complicate this, I feel like there's a better chance Avon Nova is the one who's a fixture on people's rosters mid-season yeah like miller could just completely yeah blow up by end of april nobody ever touches him again That's be back in the and nova i feel like is going to be reliable just boring okay all right let's uh let's do team name tuesday here this is from ryan in tampa he gave us three he actually gave us five i only picked three Marte mcfly very good cesar saladino or caesar saladino sorry no Caesar Not sure I follow that one. Not at all. No, because of Caesar salad. salad. Caesar salad. Oh, okay. Caesar salad. Yeah. And uh, in honor of the movie Deadpool, Deadpool hitter. I like it. I, I like, like that. that one a lot, actually. That's very funny. Greg, yeah, Mass- Greg from uh, Massachusetts. Shake Yasmani maker. I like it. Yeah. It's almost as good as Yasmani money Tomas problems. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that Yasmani's name translates enough well enough to anything. Yeah, it always you always have to kind of think about it, which is never good yeah. with a team name. It's too much of a stretch. Uh Kyle from Hoboken. Grandolf the Gray. Uh as in yeah, I like it. Grandal and Gray. Yeah. Yeah. Dalai Lama, like David Dahl. Or Dalai yeah. Lima uh, Dalai Lama, Dalai Lama. Dalai Lama like would be funny too. Uh alright, this one's from Steven Milwaukee. U G L Y, you fegly, yeah, yeah, you fegly. <laughs> fegly, yeah, I, I, that, that's there. I'm going to guess that's a team name where you don't actually own the player of that course. you're named your team after. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like an ale only two catcher league. Jason in Toronto has a terrible team name for us, as as he said, never nervous Jan Hervis. For nervous Purvis? Yeah, and and never nervous Purvis is the worst. Sports, actual sports nickname in, in sports history. For Purvis Ellison, just terrible. Uh, and finally, hmm. Steve LaFleur. You think of worse nicknames no. for Purvis Ellison. Never nervous Purvis? Think of, think of a worse nickname. I, I mean. I gonna say it, Scott. It's pretty easy. It's pretty easy. <laughs> no, an actual one. Like a real nickname that somebody actually had that's worse. Oh, you know, if you could give Purvis a. I, I always <laughs> called Purvis Ellis something else. I don't know. Um. What do you call him, Scott? <laughs> <laughs> like it's not like it's anything that would have to be bleeped what, out. Pervert? It's, just, it's it's just mean. Yeah. You call him a pervert? That's not just cool. The perv. Oh, the perv. <laughs> the perv. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Last one from from Steve Lafleur. Ben and Tenny and the bets. I like it a lot. Yeah. Actually, we had a couple people submit that one, so go for it. All right, here we go. Emails. Fantasy baseball at cbsi dot com. This is from Vincent. I've been using the RP strategy in a head-to-head categories league for years. Even used it and won in a 40-innings minimum league last year. The only way to defend against it is to only throw your best starting pitcher matchups. 
So your opponent doesn't have starting pitchers. You're likely to take wins and Ks even if you don't use your full complement of starters. By only throwing your best matchups, you put the pressure on them and ERA and whip to be perfect. That's a good idea. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. You get, like, one pitcher who goes seven innings, five hits, no runs. You know, that's that could be huge for you. Or if you get, get two, then it's amazing. All right, Jonathan in New Jersey. Hey, Ron, Ben, and John Ralphio. Uh, Parks and Rec. Yeah. I drafted Manuel Margot and Jose De Leon with the 294th and 295th picks of my draft yesterday. Do you expect them to be with the big league club on opening day? Manuel Margot and Jose De Leon. I do not expect Jose De Leon. Is Manuel Margot hurt? He was. Manuel? Manuel, Manuel Margot, yes. He, he was hurt. He played yeah. yesterday. I'm almost okay. positive. I, I'm not sure if he's going to need extra time to get ready for the season. I mean, I understand he's playing now. You've um, got, you've got, it's up in the air. You've got to let Jabari Blash swing the bat early in the year. Yeah, and he's a little redundant with Travis Jankowski, uh, for now. So it wouldn't surprise me if Margot isn't there at the start of the season. And I, I think Jose DeLone is expected to open the season in the minors. Yeah. I thought he got sent to the minors. Yep. All right, that so would be why he's expected I, to, Adam. I think so. I'm not, I'm not positive. <laughs> Like it's not official till they name a 25-man roster. No, some people yes, get options. I think he's in minor league camp. All right, yeah. No. All right, there you go. Omar in Buffalo, 14-team category keeper league. My starters are Cueto, Tanaka, Martinez, Hendricks, and John Gray. Cueto, Tanaka, Martinez, Hendricks, and John Gray. Could, uh, could have some trouble with strikeouts there. I need to add one or two guys for depth. Please rank the following free agent options. Geo, Hellickson. Skaggs, Norris, Daniel Norris, Tillman, and Javi Guerra, Junior Guerra. I'm going to go Geo and Norris. Yeah, those would be the two I would target. Um, I think I have Hellickson ahead of both. I think I have Skaggs ahead of both, too. Okay. I think I have Guerra ahead of both. Scott's so contrarian. I am contrarian. <laughs> well, when Kreef speaks first, then yeah, Scott's contrarian. If Scott speaks first, then Kreef would be. Uh, this is an email from Patrick in Playa del Rey, California. He says, Dear Hank, Bo, and Paul. No idea. Yeah, they're from the 8990 Loyola Marymount Lions. Hank gathers. Outstanding Bo team. Kimble. That was so, so much fun to watch. Yeah, no, I don't know. We, yeah. would, we wouldn't know, old man. You don't remember them? I was five. Yeah, I was two. Uh, they scored like 120 points a game. Um, one of them, and I'm going to get in trouble now. I think it was Hank Gathers actually passed away. Yes. And so, uh, one of the other ones shot his free throws left-handed in his honor throughout the tournament. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, it was, uh, fantastic story, but I was like 10, so I don't remember all of it. Oh, that is a good story. Uh, okay, so here's the question. And more, more, uh, more late round, uh, picks here. Starting pitchers. Who has the highest ceiling? Mike Fultonevich, Jared Eikhoff, Daniel Norris, Joe Musgrove. Eikhoff. I would say Norris has the most upside. I think Fulte. Shocking. Wow. Has the most Absolutely upside. shocking. <laughs> uh, I think they all have similar upside, though. I, I'm just going to lean toward the guy who throws 100 as having the most upside. All right, that's I actually – oh, Scott, perfect email for you to end the show with. Ready? Okay. Nick in Shoreview, Minnesota. He says, Dear Ken, Bob, and Felipe. Those are baseball dads. Oh. 
I first want to thank you for your fantastic podcast. I've been listening for three years. It makes my hour daily commute enjoyable and educational. I have now recommended four of my friends who I know listen on a regular basis. I am emailing you because my wife recently said I am spending more time preparing for my fantasy baseball league than for the upcoming birth of my son. (laughs) So to justify my consumption of your podcast, can you give me some advice on becoming a new dad? Yeah, I'm going to have to sit this one out. (laughs) Yeah. Advice on becoming a new dad. I mean, I could give a lot of advice on becoming a new dad. A a lot about the day in general, the day specifically you become a new dad. I was Um, gonna take the long term focus. Okay. Well let's, let's, go, go ahead and take the long term focus. Let them cry. (laughs) Let them cry. Let them cry. Like when they're little babies and they're trying to go to sleep. Let them cry themselves to sleep sometimes. Like, like when the they Hootie get to be toddlers and they want something and start crying about it, let them cry. Like the hootie and the blowfish. Oh, you exactly. stole the hootie reference from me, damn let it. Let her cry. <laughs> let them cry is my piece of parenting advice. And they become much more self-dependent. I take all of my uh, life advice from, from Darius Rucker. Yeah, yeah. Hootie. The, the dolphins make me cry. The Gamecocks. Yeah, he was a Gamecock. That's right. I, yeah. He was he was crying at the game. Like I'm not sure if like the actual so like the baby mechanics is the same from baby to baby, and like I've only dealt with one myself. It's the same basic so. anatomy, Scott. One, like, I've one, never one, had a baby, but they're it, they're all gonna have mostly I think a, the same parts. I think a sleep schedule is very important for both for the baby and your sanity. But you know, if the baby doesn't cooperate, what are you gonna do? That is just let him cry. That's, that let goes him, back to my cry. Advice. Okay, it's, it's all it's all connected. Sleep is. That's is, what you want to tell him. That that is that it. That's fine. <laughs> if that's what you want to I tell mean, him. Like I'm not. Sh- I'm trying to relate it back to fantasy baseball. Don't like, just give him a just give him a put on a little tip. Dylan sitting on a fence. All right. <laughs> Said a lot of things. You asked me what I meant. This by. show is over. Goodbye, Hootie the Blowfish, forever. 